today I'm going to be speaking on a topic unlike what Abba said that I haven't specialized well that I'm not even properly acquainted with but I preach from the desires of my heart um, a very blunt and a very honest message under the title a note from the weary you remember my note from uh, my confession from the leadership trainer and today we're going to i'm going to talk to you my personal note you know a note from the weary man from an exhausted man from a, a tired man um, and this, I'm not preaching this because I am living it, but because I really hope to live it one day. In leadership, we have a saying that says, you cannot change what you have accepted. You cannot change what you're, something that you're comfortable with. If you want to change something, you first have to dislike it or you should be, you should have some level of discomfort in uh, the thing that you wish to change. For example, if you want to change the way you manage your time, you need to be unhappy with the way you're managing your time. If you want to change the way you manage your finances, you need to be unhappy with the way you're managing your finances. If you want to improve your relationship with people, then you need to first be unhappy with how you're managing your relationship, because what you have accepted, you cannot change. And there are things that I am unhappy with. First and foremost, with the way I am living in the house of the Lord, and then among us. Hence, this sermon, or this message. If you have noticed, the Lord has been time and again preaching and bringing a couple of topics, especially over the last year and a half or so, especially the last few months, almost on every Sunday, the Lord has been promising uh, a couple of things. One is that even when Misu preached, this is what he preached last week, God had to send us someone from Kenya, all the way from Kenya, and he had to say this. And even the weeks before that, Pastor Z has been saying this for, I mean, time and again, Emma has been saying that. Even people from across the continent, they come and they say this. So it boils down to two things. And it's about time for us as church to say to the Lord, what is it that you want us to do? John the Baptist spoke. He said, the kingdom of God is coming and approaching. And the people said, what should we do then? So the Lord has been saying about one, visitation from God. He's been promising time and again that there will be a visitation that will go beyond the church, that will go beyond the city, that will impact the nation. And this church has been praying ever since it was founded for this day to come. And the Lord has been promising, but the last probably a year and a half, the Lord was promising that there will be a visitation of the Lord. The second thing is that there will be revival. 
I am not a specialist on revival. When I was preparing for this, I said to my wife, you know, the Lord is at work. And she said, she smiled and she said, I know. And I said, no, no, you don't know. And she said, why did you say that? Because the Lord is assigning someone who does not have specialty or preparedness in the subject. And the Lord is saying, go and tell it. It's, he's not counting on me. He must be counting on himself. Then I know he is at work. So the Lord has been, like I said, promising these two things, revival and visitation. And we all have left the church, the congregations, our meetings, so happy, excited that the Lord will be visiting us and that the Lord will revive. There will be a revival. That's good. That's fantastic. But there is a question there. I'm glad I'm saying this in front of the advocates and Dr. Tababu. <laughs> this statement assumes two parties. The one to be visited and the one to visit. The one to revive and the other to be revived. When the Lord says, I will revive you, that's the problem. The Lord is saying, you don't have life within you. Because the meaning of the word revival, I'm using basic dictionary meanings. And this is also how you know I'm not young. <laughs> An act or instance of reviving. The dictionary, I mean, dictionary defines it, defines revival as this. And it's a state of being revived, such renewed attention to or interest in something. It also say, defines it as making alive again those who have been alive but have fallen into what is cold or dead state. So when the Lord said that, I will revive you, the flip side of that statement is that you're cold. You have died. And he's promising that he will come and revive us. When the Lord promises there will be a visitation, it simply means that the Lord is saying, come on guys, we're not together. I need to come and spend time with you. We're not together. You think we are, but we're not. Just the way Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were walking together, supposedly together, but they were not. And they realized that the Lord is not wisdom, and they had to go back for three days. I wonder what they were talking about. Maybe about the child, which school to send him, how to clothe him, what to feed him. I'm sure they were talking about him. At least he's a member of the family. Some, some issues would be about him, but he's not wisdom. And they had to walk back for three days. And that's the same thing that the Lord is saying today to the church. I will visit you. Because we're not with him. And we can confidently say that we're not with him from the results of our activities and by the fruits of our activities. We can see that. The Lord is not with us. 
That's what our fathers said. If you had been with us, we've read in history that you had been with our fathers, but not with us. We've seen revival in Old Testament. We've seen revival in the New Testament. In the revival in Old Testament, we've seen revival in the lives of people like Samson, Moses, Gideon. Um, you, you can read for me Judges 15, 19. Uh, Judges 15:19. Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. So the spring was called En Hakur. Thank you. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God comes, touches, revives, and lives because God was not able to live permanently with his people, but in the New Testament, that's not the kind of revival we aspire to have because the Lord permanently lives with us. When revival comes, it's not that the Spirit will come to us, but we will be awakened, we will be revived, we will be, there will be a wake-up call for us. It's not that the Lord is coming, but we will be fine-tuned. Because it's Emmanuel, the Lord is not leaving us unlike the Old Testament. And that's the confidence that the church has. And there was a price paid for it. That's the blood of Jesus. But the Lord is promising that there will be a revival. That revival will awaken us, not him. It will not bring him down, but it will lift us up. We've seen revival in the lives of Zerubbabel, Zachariah, Israel, and then great things had been accomplished. Things like the renewal of the temple and the rebuilding of the, the wall of Jerusalem. That's what happened in revival. We've also seen revival in the New Testament in the lives of John, Jesus himself, and uh, one uh, revival incident was unique in the life of Jesus, the book of John chapter 4. You've seen how the entire city was affected, impacted because of that. You've also seen revival in the, in the life of Peter and the apostles. We've also seen revival in church history in the lives of Martin Luther, Calvin, and we've also seen great revival in the U.S. in Azusa Street, one that Abba loves the most. And we have also seen revival in Ethiopia when people like Abba had no clue, no idea as to what the Holy Spirit was and everything. And they were praying in tongues. Early 70s. We have also seen great revival in the history of Wales revival. We've also seen great revival when men gathered together in 1997, calling themselves the promise keepers, and hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people flocking to the church. None of those were the coming down of the spirit, but the lifting up of the spirit of men and the spirit that's in the church. People say that during the visitation and the revival that our lives, economic situations will be transformed. I don't know, the revival may does that. But 
That's not why the revival is coming and the visitation will be coming to the church. Let's start by how does it come? How does the revival come? I'm only going to lean more on Charles Finney's writings because I love the person highly. And Charles Finney says, <laughs> and it's also amazing how Ayu was reading this very chapter from the Bible when the apostles were together praying for it. So he says that revival is, it happens when the providence of God indicates that a revival is at hand. That's what happened in the lives of the apostles. Jesus said, do not move from Jerusalem. Wait, stay there until you're filled with the Spirit. And they were counting on it. They were praying for it. And then it happened. That's also the case in this church that people that are new even to most of us, people that you don't even know, people that I don't even know are praying regu regularly and uh, counting on the promise of God. So um, when there is a providence of the Lord, that revival is at hand. Look at the most of the preaching is over a year and a half. The Lord is speaking that there is a visitation, there is a revival at hand. So it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to fine tune ourselves. And the second is revival is at hand when the wickedness of the wicked grieves and humbles and crashes and dictates believers. When the darkness is getting stronger, when it is getting harder the way it was getting harder for the Israelites in the days of Moses, when it was almost like impossible, that's a sign. And look at our life now. Isn't it already difficult enough? Isn't it already to look for the solution from above like David? Isn't it already time enough to cry out to the Lord and say, come deliver us? Yeah. What, are, what more are we waiting for? What more to happen? What is it that we haven't seen? Look at the amount of corruption. People have already reached a stage where they cannot function business, where they cannot run their businesses, not just in Ethiopia, but all over the world. Corruption is running the world politics, and they call it lobbying. You don't lobby over my life or over somebody else's life. That's corruption at its highest form. Isn't it enough? Most of us even would like to become lobbyists when we grow up. You don't become lobbyists. You kill that spirit. Amen. That's how it is in Europe. That's how it is in America. That's how it is in Asia. That's how it is in the Middle East. And we call that politics. It's not politics. That's corruption. You have to call it by its name. You have to despise it if you want to change it. Yeah. 
That's how it is. Isn't it already dark enough? Many people pray so hard to finish a day with a loaf of bread. Millions of people in Ethiopia pray for just a loaf of bread. But that kind, Jesus said, give them what they eat, for I care for them. Isn't it too expensive already? Look at the world. It's full of war. Look at our country. Isn't it difficult enough? Isn't it time for us to come together and call upon the name of the Lord? The third is when Christians have a spirit of prayer for revival, calling it by name. Revive us, we have died. When we come and despised it, when we recognized where we are, when we are fully cognizant of our situation. No, it's not okay. Where we are is not okay. Where we are is not okay. Where I am is not okay. It's not okay. I think that maybe in the future we'll be talking about a positive pessimism which the Lord spoke to me. The church needs to be a little bit of a positively pessimist. I don't like negative optimism. There is negative optimism. When things are not okay, you just deny, no, first know your situation. Has the child died? Yes, he has died, but I know you can raise him. You know, but negative optimism in the church, which is humanism, you deny it. Don't deny it, face it. It's not good enough. It's not okay. It's not okay for us to live like this. The amount of homeless kids, the amount of orphans on the streets so far, this is not okay. It's not. We've reached a stage where, a stage where we cannot simply order food and entertain and enjoy that without having a broken heart. It's painful. It's painful. It's painful. But we say it's okay. No, it's not okay. We need his intervention. So we need to pray for it. In the Wales revival, Evan Roberts, a young man, prayed for four years for revival. And he was only saying one thing, oh Lord, bend me. Break my heart. Make me a humble man for you. Mold me, Lord, for four years. And then the rest is history. For four years, bend me, Lord. Break me. That's why we have the words of David on Psalm 85, 6. You can read it, are you, for us? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? We also have Isaiah's word on Isaiah 57, 15. 
So I think such prayer is in a small amount already taking place in our church in Beza. I have my colleague here, Surai, Surafel and uh, Kirubel. We work together. He comes and he tells me, Teddy, last night the prayer was amazing. And such and such happened. People are meeting and asking for it. And they call it prayer unusual. God bless you guys. Now we need to join them. And when also believers have a desire and anxiety to call of repentance, to a call of repentance and to a new or fresh obedience to the Lord. When we are tired of the old lifestyle, when we want to repent and when we want to free ourselves, there is freedom in repentance. Now the church needs to repent. We need to come together at least, you know, on a one-on-one -on -one basis or on a small level. Repent. And people who have experienced repentance, they tell us that there is a miracle in it. There is a miracle in repentance. They say that calls for a revival. That's the way for revival. I think we already have enough freedoms for us to repent. We've been nonchalant. We've been so careless. We've been only focusing on ourselves and our families for years. And we should repent. We should come together and repent. That's what happened in Azusa. That's what happened in Wales Revival. That's also what happened in Acts. The question is, why do we need revival? Why do we need it? Many people tell us that, you know, our life will improve. The situation will change. We will be driving good cars and live and reside in now nice houses. I don't think that's the case. I think it's beyond that. I think revival, as the word says, is about, is about the kingdom and the king. It's about the kingdom. What does it do? It first revitalizes the spiritual life of the church, mainly through repentance, repentance, repentance. We need to repent. Repentance is not an easy task. It requires an active spirit within us and the spirit of the Lord. You don't repent just simply because you have to. You don't repent because I come and tell you you're wrong. You need that spirit. And also we need the spirit to remind, to remind us the teachings of the Lord. That's what the Lord said. The spirit will remind you the things of the things that I taught you. But if the spirit within us is dead, how can it remind us of what the Lord said? For us to repent. We need an active spirit. Sometimes, you know, you do, uh, we do insane things and we don't even know that that's wrong. It's normal. Recently, uh, 
a pastor was telling us a story which happened in one of the, 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 the cities uh, in the south. So they had a wonderful conference and someone invited them all for lunch at his place and his house is, has been renovated and he was saying, Pastor, you should thank the Lord for me. The Lord blessed me, the Lord blessed me. And then after lunch he said, how did the Lord bless you? And he said, come, 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 let me show you. And he said, he, they took them all through the back door of the house. And he showed him a big farm of chat. And he said, the Lord blessed me with this. Praise the Lord. Yes. You need the spirit to know that that's wrong. <laughs> you think that's easy to understand? No. No. We do more crazier things than chat. Just because we think it's okay. That's what humanism does. The humanism argument is, it's okay. It's okay. And then you, would, you want to come and pay your tithes and offering. No, you don't. That's why we need the revival. It's not okay. The second reason why, why, I mean, what does, what revival does is it brings the power to forgive each other, one another. The power of forgiveness will dwell among us. I think it's about time for us to have that spirit of forgiveness in Ethiopia. We have already bruised each other. Isn't it enough? I have a lot of friends that I want to forgive. I'm being very honest. I still carry people in my heart. Yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. It's not easy for me to forgive. No. I wasn't like this, but I am now. I need the Spirit to help me to forgive. I do. Had it been easy, we wouldn't have seen all of the crazy things around us. We've been divided in the church. We've been bruising each other. We need to forgive each other. We need the spirit for that. And revival also the revisitation, I mean the visitation of the Lord also brings unity and love in the church. That's the new commandment. Jesus, after, you know, serving and teaching and all that, he changed the commandment. He said, now I'll give you a new commandment. He's left us with a new command. A new one. Unlike the Old Testament, that encapsulates the whole thing that has been said in the Old Testament. He puts it all together and he said, this is my commandment to you. Are you please read for us John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Thank you.
we need to love one another. It's not easy. I cannot love you without an active spirit within me. You cannot love me. I'm a lot of task. It's not easy. Loving me is not easy. No. You can ask my wife, my kids. I'm serious. I cannot love you unless the Holy Spirit helps me. Love is a spiritual fruit. No. It's also a gift. <laughs> but because we're not loving one another, look what we're doing to God, to the triune God, to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look what we're doing. Please read for us John 17, 20. This is why we need revival. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. This world will know that Jesus was sent by God when we love each other. <laughs> the world will have a legitimate argument to say that Jesus was not saint by God, that Jesus is not God when we're not loving one another. That's why, you know, telling people that Jesus is God is so difficult because we're not one. We don't know how that happens, but the Lord said that when you love one another, when you are one, people will know that we are one. I am one with God. You don't explain that by argument. You do something, then people will understand that. But now, Look, because we're so divided, people don't get the concept of Trinity. The oneness of God. That Jesus is God is something that they cannot comprehend. Because I am not one with you, you're not one with me. Look what we're doing to God. Look what we're doing to God. Look what we're doing to him. And they will win the case. They can simply argue God. No, your ambassadors, your people are not one. How can we know that you're one? They will win him. That's why he said, be careful. They know that we're one through you. We're so divided. Our groups, our tribes, our ethnicity, our class, status, all of those, they divide us. Wasn't it so beautiful to hear and to see the Frenchman standing here and, you know, saying everything in French and he still feels at home and he's at home, that we're one? Yes. I don't know where he's from, but we're one. That surprises this world, gives a shock this world, to this world, and it shows that Jesus is God. It's deep. How does that happen? We don't know. But that needs to happen, especially in Ethiopia. 
We need repentance and unity. Like I said, I'm not preaching or I'm not sharing this because I am living and practicing this. I am sharing it with you because I want to live this. Because I want to see this. Like I said, I am weary. I am tired. I am exhausted of this life that I am living now. I'm exhausted. It's a dry life. It's like a life that's dry bones moving. I don't know about you. But I am tired. I'm honest. Prayer is a heavy burden. Reading is another task. Forgiveness I can't imagine. Giving had to be begged. The grace is not being activated within me, within us. The grace is easily activated through the Spirit. Look how, we, how far we've fallen. This is why the Lord was saying, Beza, there is a revival coming. There is a visitation. You know, this is why we have to expect the visitation. This is what, this is the reason that we need the visitation for. If we're not transformed in the renewal of our mind, you know, once Jesus was visiting a city, he was passing by, and the disciples and the people around him, the people that serve with him, they asked him, when are you returning the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> He's visiting them, but they're talking about their own kingdom. He's talking about his own kingdom. Now what happens if visitation happens? Do you want to take it to your tribe? Do you want to take it to your home? Do you want to take it to build your own houses? Is that what we're going to do with it? No. 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 There is greater purpose. It's about the kingdom and the king. The kingdom expands through the message. There will also be righteous living and fear of God. In Acts 5, 11, that's what we see. Because there was an active presence of the spirit of God. And because their spirit was revived. You remember what happened to those couple? You can read it, Ayo. Acts 5, 11. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Because they tried to lie to the Holy Spirit, to the church, and they had to die. I'm not saying let's do that, but that happened. And then the fear of the Lord happened in the church. And... Revival also delivers the church from apathy. Gedelashinet, menagabain, nonchalance. Menchagaring, I'm fine, my family is fine, it's okay. Menagabain, apathy. We explain things away and we leave them as they are. We are apathetic. We used to poverty. We used to corruption. John the Baptist was never apathetic. He said, can you read for us Luke 3, 11? John answered, 
Anyone who has two shirts should share the one who ha uh, share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Go down a little. <laughs> Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? And he would tell them what to do. Go ahead, read it for us, please. Don't collect any more than you are required to, he yeah. told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't ex extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with uh, your pay. Yes, be content with your pay. Don't do this, don't do that. You have to then give one. Don't twist justice. Stop corruption. What you're getting should suffice you. Stop the corruption. Now we're devising ways as to how we make our ways through corruption. In fact, even we're becoming number one corrupt because we can repent and soothe our souls. That should be enough. Somebody has to say enough. When that revival and revisitation of the Lord happens, that spirit of apathy will leave the church. Do you know why there are thousands of street kids and they are in fact increasing? Don't explain it. It's because we are apathetic. We don't care. If we say that they are our responsibility, just the way Jesus said, give them what they eat for. I care for them. He said, we don't have anything. And he said, what do you have? Two fish and five loaves of bread. Then bring it and I can feed them. And he fed them. But if we are, when we are apathetic, apathetic, we don't even take it as a topic for prayer. It's okay, it's normal in any economic situation, in any this and that, this happens. It's okay. That's called apathy. That's not the spirit of God. That's not the spirit we have received. No. But we're used to it. We're comfortable. And it also gives the church new and able ministers and servants, just like in the days of apostles. After the revival, many joined great people who took the gospel to different parts. People like Paul. Paul is also a result of a revival. <laughs> he came out to fight against the revival, and the revival consumed him. How cool is that? That's what happens in revival. That's what happens to Charles Feeney. That's what happens in greater second and first, first and second great awakening. Great people, theologians, I mean, uh, philosophers became and ended up as being theologians. <laughs> great people join us. We need people in Beza. We need professionals, doctors, businessmen, economists, engineers, politicians. We need them back here. We need them. That's also one way to show that this glory is greater than the glory outside. 
we give the world a shock. When I grow up in the church, people, doctors, engineers, they leave their professions and they come. The last 20 years, we've been dwelling too much on the marketplace evangelism. Yes, time to strike balance. We need some people here that, that can make a noose. Yes, we need excellent people, excellent doctors in their clinics, but we also need them here. We need them here. Then the gospel also will be preached in the end. The gospel will be, cannot be preached without a spirit that is alive in us. Jesus wants us to give testimony on his behalf. Jesus has not made a lot of claims for him, but he made few. He said, I am the way, the light, the truth. I am the bread, I am the water and I am the life, I am the shepherd, I am meek and humble. And he said, Misu, you'll be my witness. He said, I am life, I am the bread of life, and I am the way, I am the truth. And if you want, you can ask Abba, and for that he gave us the spirit. Now who's going to speak on his behalf? Can you speak on his behalf? He said, ask him, can we answer? Is Jesus life? Don't tell me yes, tell it to the world. I don't want to tell it to you. You know, <laughs> it's not for us. It's for the people outside. We know, we're all witnesses. Time to tell it to the world. He reconciles because he has reconciled us with the Father. Now time to tell it to Ethiopia that Jesus reconciles. Because we have seen it. Yes, we've seen it. I have seen it. Can I say it? No, because I am weary. Because I am dry bones. It's not gibberish. It's not too hard. Jesus only asked, have you seen this? Can you tell it to me? Just like, you know, when I say to Misu, Misu, can you come to the court and witness on my behalf? Because you are with me, you've seen what happened. It's the car that came from behind and they hit me. You've, you've been with me, then can you come? And he says, oh, it's easy because I've seen it. Now Jesus, you know, said after he lived with us, after he did this and that for us, he said, can you be my witness? Can you be? Simple as that. But we can't. When revival happens, when visitation of the Lord happens, we set our priorities right. That's why Billy Graham said that we are the Bible that the world reads. We are the creed that the world heeds. And we are the sermon that the world listens. If all this are wrong, everything will be wrong. 
And finally, revival makes the church say one thing. Can you read for us Revelation 17, 20 to 17? The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Thank you. When was the last time you heard the church saying, come Lord Jesus. No, we want this, we want that. And until I do this, don't come. Until I acquire this, don't come. You know I have some business to finish, don't come. It is up to the bride to speed up the groom in any wedding you know. And we have a groom. And the groom is out there waiting to the bride. You know, in here, we have, there is a, a tradition or a, a custom, a customary activity that the bride calls the, the groom's best man and says, no, 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 tell him not to come. Not yet, not yet. I'm not done with my makeup. I'm still getting my hair done. That's what the church is saying to the Lord. But until the groom is invited by the bride, it will be very difficult. Later alone, Jesus, I never wanted to surprise my bride when my wife said, wait a little, I waited. I waited. Adele Miso, people that, have, that are married, they know it. Nobody does that. No groom does that. No. But now the bride is too busy with petty things. But it's a command for us to say, come Lord Jesus. I am tired. I want the Lord to come. And there is a promise for the Lord to come and administer. To come and reign. And this time when he comes, he comes as a lion, not as a sheep, as a lamb. He comes. And he does it all right. And he wipes out the tears from our eyes. There is a promise. But that promise is to be fulfilled by us. Saying, come Lord Jesus. You know, Jesus will come soon. I grew up reading a magazine that says soon. We used to talk about it. We used to sing about it. Nobody talks about it now. That's a sign of humanism in the church. In his own affair, in his own business, the Lord has been pushed aside. He wants to come and reign. The lion needs to come. He wants to roar. But he needs to be invited. I want to roar with him. I want to see Jesus. No, for real. For real. I want that fair king administering the whole world with a rod this time. With a rod. With a rod. He's not coming as meek. That's why we have to be faithful on what we've been assigned. If we're faithful with the little, when he reigns, we reign 
with him. That's why we need to take our professions and businesses seriously. If you are a good businessman now, you will be assigned to do business. To take more responsibility. If you fail to one, you will be assigned to five. This is a testing time. Let's finish it and say, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. And there's nothing, there's no much to miss. It's only getting uglier. Isn't it getting uglier? I must let you. There is life after this, come on. <laughs> And there is home that's, that's been being prepared for us. And there is hope. A life with God. There is hope. There is hope. But for all of that to happen, the groom must come. The groom will be invited when the bride invites him. The groom will, be, will arrive when the bride says, come, I am ready. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's, let's all stand together and say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. You said you will come. Come, Lord Jesus. Give, awaken our spirit. Visit us, Lord. Revive us. Wake us up. Come, Lord Jesus. Help us set our priorities right. Wake us up, Jesus. Forgive us. Help us forgive one another. Father, Lord, help us. I will invite Abba to pray for us, and thank you very much. different voice. I'm tired of your pretense. I'm tired of your fake worship. Fake smile. I'm tired of your fake giving. You know, say hi. Peace be with you. But we don't have the peace of the Lord inside us. Pretense. You know, honest, we're not honest with what we are doing. If we are not honest to ourselves, we cannot be honest to God. 
the discussions, the languages we use, the discussions we have, the way we handle our money, the way we handle our integrity. There's no use for appearing spiritual. Be a spiritual person. Don't appear. I think God is tired, you know, this whole thing of corruption, you know, in every little step is inviting you to be corrupt or more corrupt. You can't do business in this city, in the world we live in, without giving something to somebody. <laughs> and sometimes we rob may not be professional thieves, but we rob through our different businesses. We take money from others. In, shall I say it? We steal. And then we come and say, pay tithes. Don't, for God's sake. Don't steal and give to the church as a tithe from God. God is not honored with that. He can multiply five loaves and two fish and feed multitudes. A few amount given with faithfulness is enough to run the business of God. You may impress me, but that doesn't impress God. Let me tell you, as I started this church, we cry for holiness. Who cry for justice, who cry for righteousness. Help us to make it happen. We cry here Sunday morning, but you go out and open up a gate, a door for the enemy to come in. When you are hurt, I am hurt. You know, we are a body, the body of Christ. We have a proverb in Amharic. When you punch the nose, the eye sheds tears. Why? Because feel the pain. Don't think that what you are doing is not affecting me. Hunger. Hunger for righteousness. The good thing about this Christian life it's you, it's you who lives it. I don't live it for you. <laughs> so can we church this morning and say, Lord, thank you for speaking to me. This revival business. God does not need a revival. <laughs> we need it. He's sitting on his kingdom. Hallelujah. He is already seated. But he desires to bring all of us to where he is. So that we can glorify him and be a blessing to the nations. We talk about Africa rise and it's coming soon. We bring Africa together. If we have not been good witnesses, do you think God would be impressed with the choir and the flamboyant singing that we bring from across the continent? God is not surprised. <laughs>
it we're joking with ourselves <laughs> joking with ourselves you know we were born one by one and we die one by one <laughs> and we face him one by one don't be fooled just because we have created a crowd here we're not going to go as a crowd to see his face challenge. Let Africa arise. Let our hands be clean. Let our hearts be clean. Let our spirits be clean. Let our worship be clean. Holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the Lord. He said, be holy as I am holy. The standard is not me. <laughs> the standard is him. It was set by him. But as we heard this morning, you can't do or leave the holiness of God without his help. Without the power of the Holy Spirit intervening in your life. Allow him. Let him come in this morning. Just raise your hand and say, Lord, here I stand, desiring to be who you want me to be, not what the world wants me to be. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to be a light. I want to be a salt. Is that not what he said? You will be the light of the world, the salt of the world. Here we stand, O oh God, our Father. Yeah. Yeah, we are tired, not only Teddy. We are frustrated, primarily with, our, with ourselves. Father, let today be a day. A day when we will remember to say, God spoke to me that day. God surprised me that day. God shook me up and woke me up. And here I stand. And don't make an appointment for that. Do it now, today, right now. You lift up your hands. I'll be praying. Father God, Father God, here we stand. Hungry hearts, hungry spirits. Frustrated, yes, but hoping God can transform our lives. God will visit us once again. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that He will inject life, hope in each one of us. For those who are discouraged, I pray that you would empower them with spirit of encouragement. For those who have been convicted, Lord, I pray that you would really help them to confess, to repent. Well, 
not tomorrow, not yesterday. Let the journey begin today, right now. Revive us, revive us, oh Lord. Revive us, I pray. Revive us, oh Lord, we cry unto you, revive us. Make us the people you want us to be. We have said many times in our confessions, out of this place, river should flow. Let it be, begin today in each of our hearts. Father, I'm not going to invite people to this, do that. As we stand stretching our hands before you, do your miracles. Do your wonders. Let us not be the same again. Let this day be a day to remember. A day where we have seen God face to face. A day where we will say, yeah, as a result of that day, we've never been the same again. Raise up your hands and receive the blessings of the Lord. The Lord bless you. The Lord shine his face upon you. The Lord give you grace and strength to live not because of influence but because of conviction. May the Lord bless you with that kind of a determination. Say, the Lord has spoken, I will live it. The Lord be your strength, your freedom, your liberty. The Lord bless you with the faith to believe that God was many business this morning. What he has spoken, he shall accomplish in my life. I pronounce God's blessing, God's protection, God's provision over your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people say, Amen. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise.